What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Got a very interesting episode for you today. I have this, the VP of Goodwill Golf Region. So they have a ton of stores. They gross about $40 million in their region. This is Goodwill Golf Region LLC. And his name is Kevin. He's the VP. And, you know, he wanted to come on and clear the air about a lot of what Goodwill is up to, raising prices, um, opening up boutiques, um, selling vintage online, all these different things that the, the reselling community is kind of up in arms about. He wanted to clear the air. We get into the structure of Goodwill, what they do for the community, all the different things. So enjoy this episode because, you know, it's pretty interesting. You're going to learn a lot about the Goodwill business model and what they do and what they stand for. It's actually a hun- over a hundred year old company. So pretty interesting. And you guys can formulate your own opinions on how you think this corporation or, you know, is it good for us? Is it bad for resellers? Whatever your opinion is, you know, maybe it'll change during this episode. So enjoy. wanted to kind of introduce you your name is kevin bender you are vp of goodwill on the of gulf coast which is a which is a, a, a uh, explain explain how that works right so it's gulf stream goodwill so each um each goodwill has its own community or territory that they serve so i serve five counties here in uh, south florida and our headquarters is in west palm beach so we have about a million households that we serve. Um, we have uh, here we have thirty stores. Thirty stores. And when you say a million households that you serve, what does that mean? And there's a million households in the five counties that we have stores. Oh, just that's the population. That's the right market. Right. Oh, so, okay. so that's my territory. Then, if you go across the Florida, you go into another Goodwill's territory. So we each have our own territory. And really, Reverend Helm set that up. Um, you know, 120 years ago, because each community has different needs. That's that's why there's 156 different ones. Yeah. Okay. Great. And it's um, it's interesting your 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 uh, communication on that. You know how you say we serve a million households. Yeah. So is that sort of part of the mission, or is that like how you guys look at the world that you're out there serving these households? Or explain some of that. Right. So for us, our mission for Gulfstream Goodwill is um, changing lives through housing, education, and employment. So for us, we run three homeless shelters here. 
Um, you know, West Palm Beach, Palm Beach County is one of the richest counties in the country, but you're in L.A., right? You know, the homeless population. Well, I'm, I frequent crazy. L.A. I'm actually oh. in Canada, but we, we also okay. have a homeless problem here in Canada as well. So. Yeah. So so we uh, part of our mission is we have three uh, homeless shelters that we operate. Um, we also have a, a charter school for um, uh, young adults that have disabilities. We just had a graduation, 26 students just graduated. So that was fantastic. Um, we have a justice reentry program, people coming out of prison that have a hard time finding a job. Um, we, we help them find a job. And, um, and then we have what's called our adult day training, which is um, people with disabilities. We teach them skills to, to uh, enter the workforce and um, you know, uh, have productive careers. Um, amazing. You know, I, I guess, uh, you know, furthermore on the structure of Goodwill as a whole. So you're saying you're, you're, you run a region, you're the VP of that region. And somebody had mentioned in the comments, I don't, I didn't really say much about this in the information that I read, but it, it can't be considered a franchise because it's a nonprofit. You're still right. owned by the, the mother corp that is Goodwill Industries. Uh, Goodwill Industries oversees all the bylaws and everything for our organizations, but each separate Goodwill has their own CEO, their own uh, leadership board, and their own board of directors. And they are legally separate corporate entities. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are 156 nonprofits um, okay. that that work that way. Um, okay, question everybody wants to know. What is your salary take home on a yearly basis <laughs> with, with including bonuses, including all the money that you well, get that, that, that you see that's, in that's, that, that's your first question, Drew. That, that's kind of inappropriate. Um, I can tell you it's not the, the it, it's not this job doesn't pay me the most that I've ever made in a job. It doesn't pay me the least. Um, but it, it pays me, my compensation is appropriate for someone running a $50 million organization. That's, that's what our sales are. So, yeah, um, okay. I mean, yeah, we're, just, it, we're just establishing a, a base level here. No, no, I get that. And I knew you were going to ask me that question, but you know, I, it's, it's not what the people say in the comments, you know, you always see the CEOs are making a million dollars. My CEO lives up the street from me and he doesn't make nowhere near that. Um, that's not really the case at all, but it is a $50 million uh, retail operation. Um, you know, you're not going to pay somebody minimum wage to run a $50 million operation. So I can tell you my compensation is appropriate. Um, if I was doing this in a, traditional retail, I'd be making a great deal more than what I'm making now. And I have in, in the past. So, okay, well, let's speak to that. So what has your prior job history been before working with Goodwill? How did you get into this position and how did that all happen? Well, I, I'm blessed. I've worked for some great people. I, I was a senior district manager with Dick's Sporting Goods when Dick's first started growing. Um, I started there when they had a handful of stores. Um, I've been the director of retail for the Philadelphia Phillies, um, oh, wow. my office at Citizens Bank Park. And then, um, just prior to coming to Goodwill, I worked for a very large hospitality company called uh, Delaware North. I was vice president of retail for them. And we uh, managed 29 major league stadiums and arenas and that type of thing. So, you know, I've, I've got 30, 35 years in retail prior to coming to Goodwill, um, 
because I was so blessed and had such great jobs, I really felt like it was important for me to start doing something to give back. And uh, that's what drew me to Goodwill. Okay, great. So um, I, I want to get a little bit deeper before we get into some of these questions about the structure of the company. So sure. from my, I'm just going to give you my understanding and then you can sure. kind of fill in the blank. So, okay, sure. uh, Goodwill Corporation is a non-profit. Nonprofit mm-hmm. means that they can technically retain no profits. So every every penny that goes above and beyond operating capital gets put into a charity, in essence. Well, it, it, yes, uh, we don't call ourselves a charity, you know. It, but you have to it, put the profits into a into exactly. a service, it, right? Exactly, and you can hold on to a certain amount of profits just because there's there's business occurrences that you need to have cash flow. We're here in South Florida, so um, you know we're in hurricane season, so you, you have to have some money in reserve because we might get shut down for you know weeks with a hurricane. Um, but when we put ninety cents out of every dollar of proceeds back into programs for our communities. So it only takes you 10 cents out of a dollar to run the operation. No, out of the proceeds. So uh, there's, there's, costs Oh yeah, to run yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, you're so, saying- so yeah. So whatever that instead of uh, profits, we put that money into, we have what's called a double bottom line. So I get a donation. I sell for $10. The expenses of doing that's taken out. If there's $6 left, um, 90% of that goes to our mission. The other, the amount is, uh, is, you know, put in reserve in case we have to do something. We have to go out and buy a new property, something like that. But 90, 90 cents out of every dollar goes back into our mission. And again, that's my goodwill. Uh, I can't speak to the other 155, but that's that's how ours is. Yeah. Now, of course, they give you this, they, the goodwill... Uh, head corp gives you the structure on how to run this all and it's 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 kind of you can assume that it's somewhat similar in many regions it, it is but there you know reverend Helms set it up so you, there was autonomy in each region um for example i started out in atlanta um and they have a fantastic goodwill there their main mission there is putting people back to work they put twenty seven thousand people to work every year they help them get jobs that's their main mission. So their their monies goes into those programs to put people to work. Ours is primarily homeless services, helping people get off the street, get a job, and and you know live a productive life. Um, so there there is some autonomy there. They give us a structure that they want us to follow. Um, but if we have any innovations like worn not wasted, you know, we're allowed to do that. Um, but they give us a, a, a structure that they want to follow, and we have bylaws that we have to follow. Yeah. So the amounts too, like the the way a nonprofit works is the government regulates what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're not allowed to keep uh, excess amount of profit. You're right. I guess the government says you're allowed to keep running capital based profit to, uh, like you said, a curve, you know, pay for anything that might just pop up. Right. Um, now speak to the way, um, you know, like you said, you, you're allowed. So I guess the difference is you're allowed to serve your community in the way that you see fit. And then another is allowed that is allowed to serve their community in a way that sees fit. And those vary from place to place. Now, 
what I did read is, is, is a big mission of Goodwill is to educate on employment or help people get into the workforce or, uh, you know, I guess just that workplace training is what you guys right. call it. Right? Sure. Yeah. So when you look at workplace training, you guys actually have your own schools that do this, correct? Or your own, your I, own facilities. Again, I can only speak to my Goodwill. Um, we, we don't have uh, on-the-job training facility here. Like I said, our focus is more on um, the homeless services. So okay. we, we don't focus as much on job training as other ones do. We do have job coaches here that help people work and, and find jobs, but that's not our main focus. Here, the homeless is... is um, yeah, okay, well, we'll, so we'll speak to that. We, so yeah, so, so we you, you, to have, that. you have uh, homeless shelters, which again, operate on their own, which you're taking that profit money, putting it into the homeless shelter. There's obviously a staff and a paid CEO of that entity. No, the, our CEO oversees everything. So there's not a separate CEO for that. Our there, would CEO, be a, there would be a staff associated with the, that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and a leadership staff as well. Okay. And, and, um, okay. So I, I you know, you said, you said, 90 cents on a dollar goes into that program or, or programs in general. Now, right. how much sales are happening to create that dollar? So what I'm asking is if you have a dollar of uh, revenue, you called it, or uh, it's not, it can't be profit, but it's the, the leftover. Yeah. Sales, right. How much, how yeah. much full total sales to create a dollar of, um, you know, money that helps homeless. Right. So, you know, and I, I can't speak exactly to the numbers. My CFO course, would be able course. to do that much better, but let, let me just break it down how, how things go. So we get a donation in and we, we sell that for a hundred dollars, right? Well, we, we still, you know, everyone says we get that for free, which we do, but we still pay rent. We still pay electricity. We, we have labor costs, you know, payroll and all. Um, what's different in Goodwill is it compared to a traditional retail. Traditional retail runs about 8% labor cost to total sales. So if you brought in $100, you'd, you'd spend about eight in labor. Goodwill, because processing this stuff takes so long and, and is tedious and, and, and separating it and checking the standards, we're at about 26, 27%. Um, so we have a much higher labor cost. We, we have a much lower cost of goods because we're not paying for it. But in general, it comes out to, you know, a little bit more profit than a traditional retail store. It's not staggeringly more. So a traditional retail store that might make 7 or 8%, we might make 10% on that or a little bit more than that. So just for round numbers, and don't quote me on this because I'm not the CFO, but course, if, yeah. if, you, if you do $40 million in, in sales, you're probably going to put five million towards your mission, um, right okay, into so, taking care of that mission. So yeah, somewhere at, around a ten or fifteen percent. Exactly um, right. So that's interesting. And and what did you say the total sales of are the total sales are for your your program your region? Well, for the retail stores, it's about $40 million. We have some other government contracts that we do as well. Um, we uh, Right here, there's a huge lake that the Army Corps of Engineers uh, manage, and we cut the grass for them. So that that's extra income is coming in as well. So um, 
but the retail stores is forty million dollars. Okay, and, and you said thirty stores. Yeah, well, I got twenty eight open. I'm, I'm opening two more right now, so total thirty stores. Uh, that's those are good numbers. That's like you're talking and, like one point five per store average somewhere yeah, in there. One point yeah, three, and, and, and some are even higher than that. Like when I was in Atlanta, um, Atlanta stores. Are, are probably closer to 2.2 million per store. And how how long did you say you've been in this position with the company? I, I've been with Goodwill for five years now. Uh, and Goodwill how have you seen those numbers move in the five years? Well, it, it's interesting because when I got to this Goodwill, I was in Atlanta first, and then I transferred here. Um, when when we got here, uh, sales weren't very good. Um, it, it, it's it's different when the economy's good. Goodwill doesn't tends to not do as well, and when the economy gets bad, we do better. You know, we sell a lot of of, of goods out of necessity. People, you know, that are, are of course are hurting. When the, so, when the economy's bad, alcohol sales are huge. Good <laughs> thrift, thrift you, you sales are it. huge. <laughs> you people it. are uh, yeah, we get that for sure. Yeah, so so I've seen all. I, you know, when I was in Atlanta, the economy was strong. And, and, you know, it was, it was a struggle to turn an increase in sales. We, we still had sales, but, you know, just like traditional retail, you're always trying to beat the year before, you know, um, it was a challenge. Now, as the economy has gotten, you know, is struggling a little bit, sales have creeped up. But this is a little bit different than what it's been before, you know, with gas being so high um, and inflation combined. I don't think anyone's really doing well with sales just because people are really holding on to their dollar for the absolute essentials, electric, food, rent, you know, so. Yeah. Um, plus what people don't understand. Oh, I mean, some people do, but a lot don't. If you, if you're, even if you increase 10%, you're, you're, you only did 2% year over year because we're at 8.5 inflation at this point. So. Right. And, and, and then here where I am, my rents are skyrocketing. You know, so and I'm sure other retailers are having that. Primarily, we lease our properties. Um, you know, so signing up new leases is is just it's staggering the the increases in prices. And and not only for my retail stores, you know, we 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 lease out properties for our other ventures. You know, our our um, charter school, um, the the homeless shelters. You know, that just adds up on expenses. Of course, I recently read that Florida is becoming quickly the most expensive place in America from, from the, one of the cheapest places in America to one of the most expensive places in America, literally in the span of like five years. Well, and you know, so many folks from New York are moving down here. Um, and, and the housing pricing has just, just gone through the roof. Um, and, and so is rents too. Um, you know, it's difficult for, the average mom and dad to, to be able to rent an apartment down here. I, I think the average one bedroom apartment right now is about almost $2,000 a month. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. I, we see a lot of people that grew up here that can't live here anymore. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, I think yeah. that's happening in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to segue. I mean, I think that gives us a good base a basis of how the company operates. Sure. A nonprofit. You guys have your your structure. You funnel all the extra money into your programs that you're working on, um, and we'll we'll kind of dive into the separate areas of that a little bit deeper here in the conversation. But I wanted to move into, the, you know, how you came to us to have this conversation was based on the new 
program that you championed, I believe, which yes. is the, mm-hmm. the the marketplace app that Goodwill is now creating, which which again is created by you and your Goodwill. Is it being shared with the rest of the Goodwills around the country, or how is that working? And ex- explain the app and how it came to be. Okay, well, I'll tell you how it came to be. Um, when I transferred here, um, 2019, uh, our organization was struggling. We had two years in a row where we spent more on the mission and and actually lost money. Like we overspent, right? Yeah. So we put so much into the mission, but it was needed at that time. So when I got here, I, I realized um, resellers were a big part of our business. So back in 2019, we started a membership program and, and we're the only goodwill that has this membership program, but it's uh, $25 for uh, a year. And then you get 25% off every time you make a purchase. And we really geared that towards that, the that, That's it. There's no red tape in there. Just no red bucks. tape. 25 bucks, 25% off. And we, and we did that. uh, It's called the good friend membership. We did that to help resellers improve their margins. We, we knew they were a big part of it. We knew that's who would buy the memberships. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that so far this year, what, what we're, we're going into July and uh, we have 53,000 members in that program. Uh, uh, for the year. Um, so they, they come in and then we send them se- separate uh, text. We, when they um, become a member, we get their cell phone number. We text them special sales just for resellers. Um, it's been a wild success for us. Uh, we, we knew it was a big part of our business. So we've, we've been supporting resellers all the way back to 2019. Then after that success, when the pandemic hit, we, we launched Blue Box. And, um, and and you guys beat us up a little bit about Blue Box when we first came out, um, uh, and, and we got some press about that. Uh, what we wanted to do with Blue Box was, you know, sell a box of apparel at a reduced price wholesale to other resellers that couldn't source their own inventory. Um, during the pandemic, that was huge. We had people sending us emails saying it was the only way they got through the pandemic was because they were buying boxes from Blue Box and then relisting it on Poshmark and, and um, Depop and, and eBay. So we really expanded rapidly during the pandemic with Blue Box. And, and today it's, it's, it's a great venture for us. We still do it. Um, we do drops every Friday night. We sell out like that. Um, and other Goodwills um, are, are affiliates with us on that. Because we can't make enough boxes ourselves, we have other um, goodwills that make boxes and, and supply them to the customers through Blue Box. So we knew resellers was was a huge part of the business. And Blue Box, just to clear, clarify, is run yeah. through uh, Goodwill.com, or that's what? no through us. It's it's a Gulfstream Goodwill program that we have no other goodwill has it um so it's blue box it's by bluebox.com is the, okay. the domain um but we do have 14 on any given week it's different but we have 14 other um goodwills that build the boxes for us as well um so we have supply for the resellers we know 99 percent of the people buying blue box are resellers or um, we sell a lot of repurposed jewelry boxes through there, and then they make their own jewelry out of that yeah. and resell it. Um, so, so you know, we we we've always um, 
and, and again, I'm only speaking for our goodwill. We've always appreciated the resellers. When we talked to a lot of our customers with Blue Box, they were saying that they hated paying 20% commission on Poshmark. And, you know, I think it's 13% on eBay. So we got thinking, could we make a marketplace that was more reasonable for resellers to sell on where they could, you know, improve their margins? So one of the unique ideas that we came up with is the subscription model. Um, and, and I know BidStitch has, has got something very similar. So we have three ways that the seller can choose to pay to sell on the marketplace. They can do a 10% commission. You know, they get a storefront list as much as they want. It doesn't cost them anything. And then uh, worn out waste, it takes a 10% commission off, off every sale they have. Then you can, if you're doing more than $500 a month, you can go and pay $50 a month. Um, we're calling it like rent. Pay $50, that's it. No more commissions. You get to pay your PayPal fees, um, but no more commissions. $50 a month, sell as much as you want. And then if you want some tools on the website, it's $75 a month. You can take, do markdowns, you know, run sales um, or featured items, things like that. But again, $75, zero commission. $75, sell as much as you want. Um, so we really build it to help the reseller. Yeah. Um, when you say worn, not wasted, is that run as a separate corp or is that run exactly through your corp as just a division? It, it, it's the way we have it set up and, and most Goodwills do this. You, you tend to make an LLC out of every endeavor you're doing. And, and it's to protect you legally because if you're one LLC, um, and somebody falls in one of my stores, they can sue the whole organization. You know, so typically anything we do, we set up as a separate LLC. So we're not wasted as a separate LLC, but it's solely owned by Gulfstream Goodwill. And it's still all the LLCs owned by Gulfstream Goodwill are nonprofit. Uh, we're not wasted is not. Um, that that's not a nonprofit. And there's reasons on that. The nexus taxing uh, um, when you're selling from uh state to state, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're taking in the taxes for the reseller and we're remitting it for them. Um, it, it, you can't do that as a nonprofit. So we had to set it up as uh, a for-profit business, but again, it's solely owned by Gulfstream Goodwill. If we chose not to pay the taxes for the resellers, which I, I don't think you guys do, do you on bid stitch? No, we don't. Because yeah, I mean, there's a couple of companies that do that. I think. I think um, uh, there's a there's only a couple that do that, and I yeah, guess and some, uh, some and sellers find that hugely beneficial because they don't want to ha handle their own business. Right. In some so we, we we felt like that was important for the resellers not to have to do that, but but because we're collecting taxes and things like that, there's and I can't. I have a lawyer that tells me what we can and can't do, but it's solely owned by Gulfstream Goodwill. Of course, of course. So, yeah. you know, knowing that is, it, you know, obviously it's a new venture. I don't know if you guys are even turning a profit at this point, but uh, no. will those profits be funneled into your main LLC that then get used for nonprofit right. ventures? Exactly. Exactly. And, so okay. that, that'll go back to Gulfstream Goodwill. And then they'll they'll use it for operating the mission. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, well that gives us a great understanding of uh, of the app and everything else. So let's get into some questions here. Sure. Um, you know, one thing you said before was that Florida's getting insanely expensive. Florida's getting super expensive. Your rents are going up. 
individuals, apartment rents are going up. Houses, rents are going up. Right. It's getting harder to live there during recessions, economic downturn. Thrift becomes a very important part of people's lives. It becomes sure. like something, the only thing they can afford. They have to get new clothes for a job or they have to go do something. We obviously know that Goodwill is raising prices up across the board because of, I mean, I mean, we, we assume it's because you've seen the market, you've seen the resellers, you guys now have data on all these things that are worth money. Whereas before it might've just been, we get the goods for free. We're going to keep it at this price because we know it's for free and it keeps coming in the door. Now it's kind of like, well, we see the market is at a value. So we're going to try to come up to maybe be below the market, but, but push it. We're pushing it now. And again, I, I've never been to your stores. I don't personally rely on Goodwills for my product, for my business. But I, even on thrift stores across the board, this is happening. And I'm sure you're familiar with other companies like Value Villages. Oh, sure. Yeah. All these companies, right? So prices are coming up, which, which squeezes those people that are like having a hard sure. time living. So, sure. you know, can you explain like what your mentality is there? Obviously, you want to make money for your, your projects. But again, part of your mission is helping those communities. And it's, it's not really helping those communities by raising the prices a lot. Right. No, I agree 100 percent. Again, Drew, I can only speak for my goodwill. This this has been my strategy. Right. Coming to goodwill, I, I always felt like I had two responsibilities, people that needed to buy out of necessity in our store, um, you know, where they can bring their child and and get three outfits for 20 bucks. Um, at a necessity because times are hard. And, but I also have to balance that with, I need to make enough money to run our homeless shelter and, and charter school. So the way I've always looked at it, and, and we tell our, our people this all the time, uh, we don't set the prices that the consumer does, right? If, if I just raise prices through the roof and nobody buys it, well, then I'm not selling anything. That makes no sense, Right. So we, we've got to put it in a position where it's it's affordable for everybody. Again, I still pay rent, I pay labor, that kind of thing. Now, what we we do in our stores, our prices are still. You can still come in one of my stores today and get a Banana Republic pair of pants for five ninety nine. Um, you know that's that's a great value, and that's for somebody that has a necessity, um, and and it's important to do that. But we also have a lot of people that are donating to us and they say, I hope this money goes to a good cause. So to be good stewards of that, it's, it's also up to me to get as much money for that donation as I can. That was the intent of that donor. So we do put things online and we have been doing that since 1999. Shop Goodwill was, was set up in, in 1999. So we've been selling stuff online for a long time. I personally believe that we have to have a balance. We want to sell to the resellers because we know so many of, of them are our best customers. Um, but we, we also want to keep prices reasonable for someone that can come in and, and, and needs to buy an outfit, you know, to survive. It, it's a real balancing act there where I think people misunderstand is if, if I can sell all my pants at five ninety nine. Well, the Banana Republic pants that I told you is a great value. But if I put out Faded Glory from Walmart at that $5.99, that's, that's not a great value, right? Because you can go to Walmart and get it at 
that tends to be the struggle is making sure our people who make the decision, you know, at the donor door, is this a good product? Can it go out to the floor? Are putting great values out there. Do we hit a home run every time? No, you know, um, but that that's what we try and do. We try and keep that great value. But I'll be honest with you, Drew, if, if somebody donates something that's worth, you know, $75, it's just not good business to sell it for $3, right? There, there's 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 got to be a medium there um yeah but there what so yeah for sure but at what point does raising that to 40 50 60 push out your resellers like you said you you want your resellers to be shopping you want them to be successful they're your best you said this they're your best customer right. at what point you know you know like you said you raise prices they keep buying you raise prices they keep buying you raise prices they keep buying that's that's good business, <laughs> but I, it's a balancing act. At some point, you've pissed enough people off that they stop buying, and now you got to right. backpedal and come back down again. Which sometimes you can recover, sometimes you can't. Sure, I'm not, you know, and I, I I haven't gone to that level. I mean, my average item I sell in my store, believe it or not, is four dollars and thirty four cents. That's my average. Now I sell a million units a month, right? I list, uh, yeah, I list on online 2,000 items a month. So less than one half of 1% goes online. What I put online on Shop Goodwill is an auction site. So I don't even set the price for that. You know, the, the people all bid it up and, and buy it. In the stores, we, we, we try and keep that price low for the resellers. And here's a perfect example of how I know our Goodwill is doing a good job with that. I, I, again, I can't speak for everyone. We're starting to have resellers classes in our stores. No other Goodwill is doing that, right? So we have a team that goes out and, and on uh, Saturdays run classes on how people can learn how to be a reseller and make a profit on it. Um, we truly believe that there's, there's a market for that out there. It's a profession. So we want to help people. Again, that goes back to of Reverend Helms helping people. We sent out a text last week for uh, classes, and we can only have 50 people in a class. Um, so we run, we're running three classes this Saturday. So 150 people. We sent out a text at 810 at night. At 814, we were sold out. And it's free. We, we're not, we don't charge. But all the seats were taken, so yeah. we know we're doing a good it job. Shows you that it shows you the demand for that that program yeah, and that. Yeah, so we we thing. know resellers is is we we respect resellers. We know it's a profession. It's a professional. You know, when you go on LinkedIn, there's forty thousand people that that say their occupation is reseller, but nobody treats them properly. You know, Poshmark's taking twenty percent. I mean, yeah, that's the, hard. The banks don't treat us properly. No, no. And, and then, you know, you go you know, at Christmas time when you're explaining to your family what you do for a living, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to explain that. Right. So we really want to support the resellers. We, we think with technology, there's going to be a, a, a portion of, of my community that's going to push these people out of work, you know, because innovations are reducing jobs. Well, this is a great way for them to still be able to make a living, you know, just like Uber or DoorDash, anything like that. They can go to garage sales, Goodwills, Salvation Army, 
find their treasure and resell it. So I, I embrace the resellers and, and I do everything I can to, to embrace them in my stores and keep my prices low. Now, I did see some of your comments. People were saying, oh, the prices are sky high. That might be another Goodwills. You know, I, I try and keep it low. If, if I get a Lily Pulitzer um, dress in the store, I'm not going to sell for the same price as, as uh, you know, a, a Walmart dress. Of course. So we're we're, we're so going to sell like, at a higher price. You know, this effect, this is effective. Um, like you said, if things are going to sell, you're going to, the prices will continue to go up. And that, and that is that supply and demand of any business, any, any sure. supply chain. So resellers out there message to you guys. If you want the prices to come down, you got to stop buying shit. You got to no, stop. You no, no. Drew, don't say, don't say that. Well, I'm just being honest. You said it yourself. No, no. It's supply and demand. If, no. if, if you guys wanted the prices to come down, you got to stop paying high prices. No. Well, that's true. I mean, like, you know, Drew, I, 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 I got nothing against you, man. I just, it's just, no, I get, I, I get that. But here's your thing. Like you, you got t-shirts on your site for a thousand dollars, right? I might say that's crazy. I would never pay that. But if somebody pays a thousand dollars for it, that person obviously felt like they got a value out of it. Right. So it's, it's really, I, that's why I always say that the consumer really sets the price. If, if they're, if, if they're paying $6.99 for a pair of pants that they feel like is worth $20, well, that's a great value. Somebody else might say, oh my gosh, $6.99 is a, a crazy price for pants. You get it for free. I hear that all the time, you know? Um, so, so it's really the consumer does it. Now, in our goodwill, at any time, any month of the year, we're going to run at least four or 50% off sales for, for everything in the store. Um, over a month's period. So even if somebody felt like $10 for something was too high, at some point during the month, that's going to be $5. Because we're getting, we're very blessed that we get a lot of donations. We, we can't let the product just sit there forever. So we, we want to be able to have those sales. And that's when we, we really tell the resellers, hey, this is going to be a great sale tomorrow. You've got to come get this. And we've done everything. We've had late night sales for resellers. We've opened early for resellers so they could come in and, and uh, shop before the rest of the public. So we've really embraced them quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure some people who live in your zone can contest to that. I've never been to any of your stores, but I'm sure. Well, you got to get here, can, Drew. I will. <laughs> well, Florida's too goddamn expensive, though. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about, well, first of all, you keep, you referencing Reverend Helm, all right. And Reverend yes. Helm, this is more history on Goodwill, but Reverend Helm yeah, sure. was the founder and Goodwill, when you actually look into the, the history is over a hundred years old. Yeah. 1902, Reverend Helm started Goodwill. So it is, you know, and that's obviously a Reverend. He, he is, I, I don't even exactly know what a Reverend is, but it's, it's something to do with the church. Correct. Right, but he never he never tied it to the church. So, so Goodwill now has no connection to religion or church. No, no religion. No, no. Oh, okay, and, and and haven't since the war. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. um, yeah, it's wild. I was surprised Goodwill's been around for a hundred years. It's a long, yeah, a hundred hundred and twenty years. And you know what? When he first started out, he did very much what we're doing with the resellers is. He took in donations of damaged goods and taught people how to be seamstress and cobblers 
and they would repair the goods and then resell it. And then he'd use that money for training for them again. You know, 120 years fast forward, we're kind of doing the same thing with the resellers. We're running classes on, on telling them how to be a good reseller, how to spot good deals, that kind of thing. Because we know a lot of this population um, is getting pushed out with innovations and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and and. Um, things like that. That's why Uber is so popular. That's why DoorDash is so popular. It, this is this is another profession that 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 person can make a, a livable wage by reselling. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that you and your division support that. I think it's important. I think it's it's you know when you look at the sales of your company at this period, you know. Again, Goodwill probably has a huge hand in building the business that we're in now, which is the vintage clothing. I consider my sure. business the vintage clothing business. I right. sell lots of used clothes, mixed general used clothes, but I'm a vintage clothing dealer. And I know Goodwill, just in the in the system that you guys have created throughout those hundred years of taking donations, funneling them through stores, funneling them to, um, say, rag yards or however and allowing it to be accessed and then picked through and then all these gems and treasures brought to the public. So you guys have had a huge hand in that whole process. Sure. But now that process has kind of come back to feed you and help you grow in the retail because all the work of the armies of people out there promoting it, growing it, bringing vintage and what's cool to the mass population has then trickled more people back into your stores to be like thrifting is now, sure. you know, thrifting was sure, not cool before. thrifting was no. the low income. You know, you didn't want to talk about it. You didn't want to, tell, to say your mom had to buy you thrift clothes when you went to high school, but now kids are at, at school saying, well, I thrifted this. You know, this absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. That's so it's a whole new generation. Yeah. Um, which is, is super cool to see. And, you know, obviously, you guys are out there working in this in in this world that is it is what it is now. You created this app. Um, you you are allowing other sellers to come on, pay a ten percent uh, commission, or get a subscription. Mm-hmm. You guys yourself are selling on this platform now. You know. I guess it's like you're, you're pulling things out of your stores. You're putting them on the app. People are shopping in their stores and selling on the app. You're getting a percentage of the, the stuff that's already been bought from your store now being sold on the app. Plus right. you're getting or, the traffic that they're driving to your app to then sell your product that you're pulling out of the stores that you got for free. And it's, it just seems to me like a very, and not just me, this is how the community feels. It's like right. you're, you're, you're dipping in the beginning you're dipping in the middle, you're dipping in the end, you're just dipping all over the place to get as much out of that world as possible. Can I speak to that? Um, because um, one, you, you started a, a marketplace and you know it's the chicken or the egg, you know, which comes first. So you, you, you kind of have to have product on there to get buyers to come. And if you don't have buyers, you're not going to have seller sell on there. So yeah, we, we put quite a bit of listings up there to, to get the flywheel going, if you will. I'm not moving my, my online business to this site. Um, 
honestly, we will probably always sell on the site, but it's not going to be the main vehicle for me to move product. You know, like I said, I move a million pieces a, a month in my stores, um, but I had to get it going. Right. So I listed it on there, but we're, we're not saying you can only resell stuff on here that you've got a goodwill. You know, there's stuff in your closet that you can resell on here. Um, if you go to a garage sale, you can resell one here. Really, the, the way I came up with this idea was uh, I really felt like, you know, I, I read this article that there's 280,000 thrift stores in the country. And that's including Goodwill, Savers, and mom and pops, everybody. 280,000. Only 80,000 have an online presence. So really, the, the whole concept of this was, wow, to help the resellers, Right now, they have to go on on Shopify, build their own um, website, then drive traffic to it, you know, have it filled, have it you know a robust inventory. There's a ton of work. Mom and pops and resellers can't do that. So we really, the whole concept of this was, could we build a marketplace where everybody got their own storefront and they could build a storefront in five minutes on the marketplace and start reselling you know, instantly? And I'll drive the traffic to that. That was the the, the whole idea of this. Um, now that you point out that I'm dipping, 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 you said <laughs> dipping 17 times, um, it was just an after fact. That really wasn't my plan was to do that. So if somebody goes and buys something at a garage sale and resells it on here, they're going to make a whole lot more margin on it than I am. Um, am I making a margin on it? Of course, you know, that I am. But I really wanted to set this up so it would improve their margins rather than selling them Poshmark for 20%. Um, so how many people are now on the app? Do you have the data? Uh, yeah. Uh, so in this, we've, we've really only been up for like 10 days or 11 days. or It seems like a year. You know, you, you launched it. Thing so you know you know everybody's calling you telling you what you did wrong and you know it's a mess and um, but but we've we've had uh, uh, fifteen hundred I mean fifteen thousand um, visitors to the site we have uh, four hundred and almost five hundred um, people signed up for the side hustle uh, storefronts and um, we've got I think twenty of the Empire membership the seventy five dollar membership. Um, set up. Um, but we've got people, we, I just looked up before I came on here, we've, we've got one lady on here that's uh, approaching $2,000 in sales already um, on, on the site. Um, and, and, you know, peer to peer her with other customers, we have nothing to do with it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. So, um, so that's, uh, I was excited about that. So she's only going to pay $75 for the month. And she's on pace to do four, $4,000 in sales for the month. Now, for her, that might be a fantastic um, business strategy, right? Paying her, her, her cost is $75. She didn't have to build a website. She didn't have to drive traffic. I'm doing all that for her. And she's doing, no, she's, she's got a cost associated with her goods. But still, you know, if she does $4,000 the first month with $75 out of pocket, that's pretty big. Yeah. Um, and does this, does the app bump you up automatically when you hit those levels or do you have to, do you have to manually sign up for like the, the $50 and the 75? You, you have to manually, there's a button there that reminds you like, it, so on the dashboard, your seller's dashboard, it shows you what you um, paid in commission. You know, I don't know if 
Poshmark doesn't do that, right? Mine keeps track. So it tells them, hey, you've paid $60 in commission. You might want to pay the $50 a month. It's going to save you money. Yeah. Um, so we got the button there that they can do it. How long did it take you to develop this app? Oh my Lord. It seemed like seven years, you know, <laughs> it was, it was exhausting. It's uh, and, and we didn't have a lot of money. Like we didn't go out and build this, you know, with Salesforce and, and spend millions of dollars. I, I kind of had gotten with a company that does this and we did this on the cheap. So it took awfully long. Um, I'll be so honest. Do you, have, with do you have investors in this or is this? Oh no, no, no. This, okay. this is us. But why but, do you uh, have but, no money? You guys make 40 million a year. Um, um, I got three homeless shelters and, and I got the charter school. It's not, I, everybody thinks, you know, Kevin Bender's got bags of money sitting back here. It's not. We, we put it back into the community. I, I'll give you a fact, Drew. In the communities that we're in, the five counties that we're in, we are the largest human services provider in those counties, bigger than the counties themselves. That's how much we put back into the counties. We so don't what, do a good what, job what of telling people that. What? Well, you guys don't really actually. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We're telling them here on this show. (laughs) Yeah, you guys, you guys kill me. (laughs) What qualifies as human service? Any, any, any charitable service that helps people in any way? Yeah, yeah. So you know, the the county here, Palm Beach County, does a wonderful job, and we we have five counties where they do a wonderful job of providing services for their community. But there's certain things they just can't do, and there are certain things we're very good at. Our, our vice president of, of our mission, Laura Contrera, her team runs homeless shelters that when you walk into them, you would think they're apartment complexes, right? There's, there's, uh, we make sure that these folks have, uh, have respect and dignity. You know, there's a multitude of reasons why you could be homeless. You know, the pandemic crushed a lot of people who ended up in a homeless shelter that they never thought they would. So for us, if we can get somebody off the street, get them a, a roof over their heads and give them three hot meals a day, we also, as soon as they get into the Lewis Center, we offer them a job here at our distribution center at $12 an hour um, to, to start working. The, the idea in the Lewis Center, which is one of our homeless shelters, is in 90 days, get them back on their feet into an apartment. We help them out with that getting into the apartment and, and having a job. So I didn't have a lot of money left over to, to, uh, to build this thing. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you, on Election Day, 20, uh, uh, November uh, 2020 election, Florida... Um, uh, passed a law, Amendment Two, raising the middle uh, the minimum wage up to fifteen dollars an hour by twenty twenty six. Right. Well, we're we're paying our people eleven and twelve dollars an hour entry level coming in, um, but we know we got to get that up higher. Um, you know, to one keep a good workforce here for us, and and everybody should have uh, you know a, a livable wage. So. When that election came through, my CEO was sat down and, and my CEO said to me, he said, you, you got to do business a different way. You know, you, you can't be paying people $15 an hour to tag $1.99 items. It, it, the business model just doesn't work. So that's what got us thinking, well, Blue Box was successful. How else could we help the resellers, which is a growing population? Um, so we started really on what, November 2nd, 2020, building this app. 
Um, and I was going to launch it like 19 different times and something blew up. You, you, you know how it goes, right? So yes, it, it yes. took us a lot longer than I thought it would. And, and it was much, much more difficult than, than I thought it would. But I'm very proud and, and happy that it's up and running now. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So Florida's raising its minimum wage to $15, which Florida typically used to be one of the cheaper places to employ yeah. people. And yeah. that's why people would go there. There's also yeah. tax tax benefits for corporations to be there and all these. Different yeah. There's, there's no state income tax. So there's no state income tax for individuals. Right. You pay. So how much do people save, say from living in Florida versus California? Oh gosh, the, the the state income tax in California is sky high. I, I I don't know what it is, but we had a tremendous amount of people move here um, and give themselves a raise just by not paying the the state tax. Wow, state income tax. So you guys, you got you just referenced uh, eleven and twelve dollars, I believe, or twelve and thirteen dollars. Yeah, eleven and twelve. Eleven yeah. and twelve. Okay. Now, somewhere I read something. Um, you guys or Goodwill has been known to utilize section 14C of the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. 1938. Organizations can, can obtain a special wage certificate to pay workers with disabilities a, a commensurate wage based on performance evaluation. So what this act is, is it says that, and this is a government law, that you can pay disabled workers anything you want, essentially. Uh, and there's been there's been people paid as low as like a dollar fifty or two dollars an hour, four dollars an hour. I don't know exactly this. It wasn't uh, full details on this, but I guess how does that work? And do you guys do that? And how do you feel about someone who potentially, you know, my thinking on this subject is that, you know, you guys are out there doing good. You're out there getting people off the streets. You know, but there's been a lot of horror stories of the employees of Goodwill in the stores where they're like, ah, it's, it's not a great place to work. We're getting paid very low. They're paying disabled people very, very low. It's kind of broken into two sections. It's like on one hand, you're doing all this good. But on the other hand, why aren't you do, why aren't you guys taking care of the people that are allowing you to do the good? Let's have your thoughts on that one. Yeah, um, again, Drew, I can only speak for our Goodwill right? Anyone we hire is a teammate. And that's what we call They're not employees. We, it's a teammate. So whether you're disabled or not, you come in at 11 or $12 an hour um, based on what job you're, you have. So we, so, we don't- So your, 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 your Goodwill does not use this section 14C? No, no. What, what we've done in the past and where some people get confused with it is- um, we do serve some folks that have tremendous disabilities. Um, there, there are grants that you can get that you can pay them a stipend to teach them a skill. Um, we we don't do that in our stores. I, I don't know if other Goodwills do, but there. What we've done here is we have a print shop, um, which is true. I wish you could come here and see all the good we do. Right? We have a print shop that. We, um, you know, I talked about that contract business. So like we just printed 7,000 shirts for the Coast Guard, right? In our print shop. We teach 
people with disabilities, how to do screen printing, how to um, uh, do listings for e-commerce, how to ship things out, how to package it. And at, during that, that training period, they may only work an hour a day or two hours a day. There's a job coach there and they may only get a stipend because they're getting other um, benefits from the, the government. And, and, you know, certain if you're disabled, there's you can only make certain amount of money, that kind of stuff. Once they come over and learn the skills and move into our print shop as an employee, we pay them twelve dollars an hour. It's it, because they're a teammate. They're, it doesn't matter what their disability is. They're they're performing the job. So our, our goodwill does not do that. Does not um, have people working at at sub minimum wages. Do you know we, about that in other in other goodwill? Well, you know the two that I've worked in didn't do that. I, I don't know, but I hear the same thing you guys hear. You know, like I, I'm not in constant contact with other goodwills. I do think. A lot of times people think we're working people um, at this minimum wage, but we're really training them. I do think that gets confused. Uh, but yeah, like no, I said, I, I don't I, do that I here. I, I, I don't do that, that here. And I understand, yeah. like you said, a stipend. You, you're you using that stipend as, sorry, explain stipend versus a grant. So, so um, it was... And, and again, I, I'm not the grant writer, so I don't want so. But there are grants out there that says you, you're going to train these 50 people to do whatever and we'll pay for you guys to do that. Right. Um, there there's grants out there like that. But then there's also we want you to train this person, but but we're paying them a disability wage. Um, but we want you to train them and they might only be able to work an hour or two hours because of their. Um, because of their disability. And, and we want you to pay them this stipend because we know it's not improving your business at all. It's, it's more of an expense for you to do this and you get paid a stipend. Let me be crystal clear. We do not do that here at My Goodwill, okay? We, we don't do that. We have so, training programs, but that's where I think people get confused because there are training programs out there to teach them things. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's, and it seems like you're using them, but you're really coaching them. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. Perfect example. Our charter school, we have kids that like retail, right? I, I don't, I, I would have never gotten into retail 30 years ago if I knew what retail was, but there's, there's kids that come to our charter school that say, we want to work in your store. They have a job coach until they learn what they're doing. Then they become an, a, an employee of our store and, and they make, the same amount as everybody else. I don't. I don't ever want anyone to be paid less because they have a disability. That just that, does your that store receive sense. government grants for general employment? Paying paying your general employed people because you are a nonprofit. Does your, do you guys get government grants to help you with the labor portion? In in my retail stores, I don't, and, and I can't speak to other parts of our business that I don't oversee. I don't believe we get any that pay their salary. We, we do have grants that support programs and, and pay for you know, the administration of that program. Um, there's grants that we get from that. And, you, and not just the government. Do you employ your own grant writer as a full-time person or do you, have, do you, do you outsource that, that kind of work? We, we just hired one. Um, a, a Who's full-time? full-time? 
Wow. Yeah, it was full time. Um, we there for a while, we were sourcing it out. There's consultants that do it for you. Um, so for and, some people uh, that might not understand this, grants are available by the government where lots of different program, arts, charity, uh, technology, environmental, these grants are meant to be given to people to use in what the government wants them to be used for. Right, <laughs> and then right. You, you can apply. It's a super laborious process. Typically, they're on timelines where like right. certain grants open at certain times and the writing process, can, can, like you said, can be a full-time job. So I'm going to explain something that a company here in my country is doing that pisses off a lot of people, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a vintage company now started by some people. Um, and what they do is they partnered with a, an association that helps get at-risk women off the streets and into workforce. Mm -hmm. Now, because they are doing that, they get half of, so the, the labor force of their business is run by these women. They get half of all the labor paid for. So in their perspective, they're paying $7 an hour where the person's getting paid 15, government pays the other seven, right? That allows them to make a lot more money than everybody else because they're right. Because they're right. paying half the wages that we're all paying. And there's probably other grants that they're receiving. Now, these people who started this company make an absorbent amount of salary. In essence, they don't really care if the company is profitable or essentially not profitable or they're donating to the charity. As long right. as their salary is hitting the level that they want to have a great epic life that they envision for themselves. Right. Now... <laughs> This pisses a lot of people off because they're like, I'm oh, sure it does. how is that yeah. different than me? Like, you know, when you look at a nonprofit, anybody can technically go start a nonprofit. You, you know, there's, there's government regulations around it. You can't just sure. say, I'm a nonprofit one day. You have to right. become that kind of a corporation. And then you can utilize these type of benefits. And, you know, I guess there is some level of regulation around, um, what a CEO of a corporation can get paid now, but that is very subjective too, because if there's sure. no number value. All it is, is the court saying, we think that's a little too high. You've hit 5 million. That's just kind of crazy. We can't really accept that you're worth that. Right. But like in the million, they don't really care. And at one point, you know, they're, they're fine right. with that. So a lot of people, have, a lot of people have qualms with this. Sure. Whereas, sure. you know, what what is the difference between what you guys are doing and what everybody else is doing? Of course, you're benefiting these charities, but they have mm -hmm. issues with the the people involved making absorbent amounts of money. Right. Well, let me again, Drew. I, I can't speak for the whole movement, just for here. Right. My CEO has been with Goodwill for 28 years. Um, uh, when when he was in Atlanta, he's the one who hired me in Atlanta. I, yeah. I, I would had just been offered the vice president position of Yellowstone National Park when that Goodwill sounds like a fun gig. Yeah, right. So Goodwill called me, right? Um, my CEO called me and said, Hey, we, we we've seen your background, we've done an executive search, we want to bring you in to Goodwill. And I said, Why? You know, I I'm I'm leaving running major league baseball stadiums and going to I just got an offer from Yellowstone. He said, look, come to Atlanta, spend four days with me. If you don't like it, go home. Just look at it as a vacation. I went to Atlanta, spent four days and said, man, this is for me. Uh, I'm, I, 
they're doing such great work here. I can help people out. When he came to Florida, he, um, he said, Hey, I want you to come with me. And I, you know, he called me on a Friday. I started here on a Monday, right? I believe in the guy. He, he does great things. His salary would be double if he was working out in, in the public sector from what he is. I don't want to say what his salary is, but it, it's, we're getting a steal for, for our buck with him because he's committed to, to taking care of it. He's got his master's degree and he's only worked for goodwill. He's only as a kid coming out of, of college, he went to work for goodwill. So, you know, does he make a good living? Yes, absolutely. But you're not going to run an organization the size of this and pay somebody $25,000 a year. But he's not making millions. Of, he's not making a million dollars. He lives up the street from me. I, you know, I, so um, that people sometimes forget, you know, if you're if you're running a hundred million dollar business and you're a CEO, you, your CEO could be making millions of dollars and nobody has an issue with that because it's a private business for for profit. I get that. I think we've got to be good stewards of what we do here. Now, again, I can't speak. I don't know what the CEOs all over the country make. And I can understand your point that people would be upset about that. I can tell you here that it's not happening here at our Goodwill. And I know our neighboring Goodwills, it's not happening either. The vast majority of these CEOs, in my opinion, want to help people, got into the organization and kind of grew their way up. Um, and that happens in, in regular traditional business as well. You know, um, I didn't come to Goodwill to say, oh, my gosh, I can make all this money off of these poor people. That was not my my intention. And and like I said, I could probably I, I, I know I was making more money doing things in, in the private sector. So um, I can understand people getting upset by that. But there's there's a lot of information that goes out. There's this one thing that always says that the CEO of Goodwill makes $2.2 million a year. That person never existed. And and there isn't one CEO of all of Goodwill, right? I, I told you it's 156 Goodwills made up. So there's a lot of bad information. And, and again, is, we uh, who is the main who is the main head honcho and, and how much money of yours or everybody else's gets funneled to the main court? Well, uh, well, Steve Preston is the president of Goodwill International. He used to be the, uh, he was the former secretary of HUD for, for the United States government. I have no idea what he makes, nor do I care. I, I really don't. Um, uh, and we do pay dues to, to the, the organization for are you, our dues based on percentages. No, no, it's, 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 you can't call it a franchise, you know, because we're not, but it's kind of like that to have your territory and be provided um, skills, tools, information from international. This is what your dues are. Um, and the but question, nobody's getting so rich off our dues now. <laughs> they're, anybody, they're anybody, I mean, it's not a franchise, so you can't just go buy a region. You can't open or you can't, and I'm sure all right. regions are gone anyway. They're all covered, right? Yeah, yeah it's 120 years. So and, how does somebody start or even get into that? Or is it even possible? You can't. Well, what, what's happening now is, you know, there's a lot of goodwills that are struggling financially. It, 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 there are, you know. Um, so and what you put lot, that on, bad leadership? Um, there's, a, there, there's a couple things. I, I think um, 
and this isn't a bad thing, but it, it, it happens. I think some people just get so wrapped up in the mission and want to do so good for the community. They don't say no to anything. And then all of a sudden, two years down the road, they realize that they're paying out more money doing services than they're taking in. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the organization collapses. Um, we see that a lot, quite honestly. When, when I got to this organization um, here at Gulfstream Goodwill, they had 48 services that they were providing for the community. So our, our, we, we had spent 106% of what we took in, in, in out into the community, which was great for the community, but we weren't going to be around real long if we were spending more than we were taking in. So we had, to, we had to pick and choose what we could be really best in class at and put our monies into that so we knew that we'd be here for a long time. Right. Um, so I think that's a big problem. So many of these guys just don't want to say no to anybody. And it is hard when someone comes to you and says, we, we need goodwill to help us with this. You know, it, it, it's hard to say no. So I think you overextend yourself. There's probably some bad leadership, just like any other organization where you make bad decisions. And then things like what's going on right now, you know, gas is through the roof. Uh, I've got 16 trucks that move product around from my store to stores. Well, it's 60% more expensive today than it was this time last year to do that, right? So, yeah, I get my product for free, but I still have all these expenses. That that kind of stuff catches up with you, you know, where everything was fine and you were, you were living on the edge there for a while, but you were making your nut. And then all of a sudden gas prices go through the roof, inflation goes through the roof, your rents go through the roof and all of a sudden you're out of business. So it happens to nonprofits. It happens to traditional businesses as well. Of course. Quick pause in the show to bring you a word from our sponsor. Shout out bid stitch. The platform where you can sell your vintage clothing with no commission fees. Your one-stop shop for all the vintage news in the community. App is currently in development. Right now, you can get on the desktop version, sell your clothes, read the news, connect with people in the community. Shout out BitStitch. I want to jump back now to some of the questions from our our fans or your passionate or fans. Yes, your <laughs> rabid fans. You do have a great fan base. I, I I will give you that. They are. You know, it's funny. My son uh, is twenty one years old, and and he he was taking little clips and sending them to me. You know, of the like comic. check out this guy. Look at this crazy. No, no, not even that. He was like, "Hey, Dad, when did you start sucking these nuts?" and and and, uh uh hey dad uh uh, hey dad where'd you get the whack haircut you know all all those comments yeah and he was just sending them like you know an hour apart so i say yes um, i'm gonna be speaking to a very passionate uh fan base (laughs) glad this could be a bonding experience for you and your son Oh, that's too funny. Oh, man. Okay, well, this is a good question to kick kick back into that. Someone yeah. writes, um, what is your favorite strain of weed? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. I um, Even when I was younger, I think, I think I smoked weed in high school one time. I was an athlete in high school. And um, I, I didn't really like weed because it, my lungs and I was a wrestler. 
Um, so I smoked it one time and really didn't like it. So I, I prefer um, adult beverages over uh, over okay. weed. So. <laughs> and uh, Florida still is not legal. Is that correct? Uh, no, medical, uh, it's legal, but not um, not recreational. recreational. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A lot of people want to know, like, do you have any vintage clothing in your personal wardrobe? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't have stuff on your level, you know. That's that's just not who I am. Um, but uh, you know, working for the Philadelphia Phillies, I had a real passion for that organization. So I have a tremendous amount of vintage um, Phillies jerseys stuff. and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And, and my son and my son has a nice collection of jerseys. I was I was very fortunate at Delaware North. I ran the retail operations for two MLB All Star games and uh, two uh, NHL All-Star games. So when you run those, there's a lot of vintage uh, throwback stuff, a lot of uh, Mitchell and Ness stuff that's there. So my son's got a pretty good selection of, of uh, throwback jerseys, Nolan Very Ryan cool. and that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, do you, yeah. Do, you, um, do you have any gamers, like real game-worn jerseys? No, I, I, no. I did, but believe it or not, when I was – in that business, I tended to give it to charity. Um, my, my son, who's very healthy now, um, he had what was called craniosynostosis when he was six months old. And Children's Hospital of Philadelphia did a wonderful job. He had brain surgery when he was six months wow. old. And it completely, you know, he was a college pitcher. So he recovered great. Um, so anytime I would get that worn stuff, it was important to me to give it to Children's Hospital. Um, they did an auction every year. So I had um, uh, Eric Lindros worn jersey that I gave up, but John LeClaire, um, some some great stuff, Messier. I ran um, uh, with Delaware North. I ran four Winter Classic hockey games. Um, so I had some pretty cool stuff from that. But I always gave it to uh, um Children's Hospital um, for their their thing. So now yeah, don't have you. that's really cool. Don't have any of those. Um, somebody wants to know. I mean, we probably a lot of people want to know this one. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, with with this app now, you're getting different types of data from your customer base. You're getting the data of what's selling, what's not, what the prices are, and all yeah. that. And are you set up to be data farming this information? And you know, what's your plan for that in the future? No, and, and quite honestly, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I know other business people be out there saying, oh, that's great information. Somebody posted, not on yours, but somebody posted on another site, said, don't use the search bar. They're going to use those results to raise the prices in the store. And it, it's a search bar. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, not, I'm not some, you know, Dr. Evil behind the scenes saying, oh, you know, Nike's being researched a yeah. lot. Raise the price of Nike. Um, no, I really want this to be a peer-to-peer, -peer, um, you know, uh, transaction. And and I really have no use in, in using any of that information. Now, the data of the, the marketplace as a whole is interesting to me, um, but the, the individual transactions, um, there's no plans to use that data any way, shape, or form at all. I, I really don't really care about that. To me, I'm more interested in like what's the average transaction, um, yeah, and how how do we increase that? What's the buyers to seller ratio? You know, what's the overall market um, uh, value? That kind of thing. I, I I'm not going to use any of the peer to peer stuff. So 
there's this kind of meme within the community, the uh, land of the free t-shirt with the eagle on it and the American flag. It seems to be in every store all the time. It's always there. There's millions of t-shirts out there. People want to know where these shirts came from. Do you know the shirt I'm referring to? I do, and I have no idea where they come from. Do you? Uh, no, I would imagine a warehouse full of these souvenir shirts got dumped off somewhere at one point, and they just well, and that happens. That happens. We we try not to put any um, I don't know politically um, backed t-shirts out on the sales floor or. Um, you know, T-shirts with a message. Uh, we try not to do anything like that because we don't want to take a stance one way or the other on anything. Um, but I do see a lot of that kind of T-shirt. Um, we we see some hateful T-shirts too. We, oh, we, of course, yeah. Yeah, we try and pull all that and don't put it out on the floor. So interesting topic then to get into. So mm-hmm. each store, do, do, in your jurisdiction, do you have an outlet? Do you have a bins, they call them? Uh, we have two. You have two. Okay. So give us the process of collection through to the bins, through to the end. Um, again, just my goodwill. This is how we do it. So we we try and have a four-week rotation in the store. We we want to try and keep getting fresh goods in the stores. So we'll we'll take something that meets quality standard and put it out on the floor at a store. After four weeks, if it doesn't sell, we bring it back. We put it through the bits, the outlet. Um, we also will take things that don't meet the quality standard, and we don't put them in the store. We put them right in the outlet. So if it's a great shirt, but it's got a big coffee stain on it, we wouldn't put that in the store. We'll put it in the outlet, sell it by the pound. Somebody might say, oh, I can get a coffee stain out, and this is you know a $30 shirt. They're going to buy it. So that's the way we work our bids. Um, and what happens from the, the the product that doesn't get sold through the bins? Where does it go in the end? So what we we have hard goods and soft goods that go through through the outlet. Once they come through the outlet and they didn't sell, we bail um, uh, the the soft lines, the clothing, and then we resell those bales. So we have a low eleven hundred pound bales, the ones that you see, the big boys um, that tend to be uh, purchased and sent overseas. Um, uh, the, the uh, Haiti um, buys a lot of those big bales. Um, the hard lines we separate. There's there's specific salvage buyers that just want metal. There's specific salvage buyers that just want um, furniture. Um, the other thing we do is, you know, I told you the folks that come from our homeless shelter that work at our distribution center. We make um, uh, uh, we call them celebration packets. We, we will make up a, a big order. So when they move into an apartment, they typically have nothing. So we have a big box that has dishes and pots and pans. So when they move into their own apartment, we can celebrate them and give them, you know, this, this uh, box of, of essentials to live. So the vast majority, we try and keep everything out of the trash, out of the landfills. You know, we're a sustainability company, too. So we, we give everything a shot. So it, it almost all goes to salvage buyers. I'll I tell you, here in West Palm Beach, there's a smash room now where you pay like five bucks. You go in a room and you can break stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So this guy is buying all our, our glassware that is salvage, which is great. You know, I mean, he's... That's his business. And it's, again, that's a, a salvage item that's hard to sell. 
So we, we're constantly trying to keep everything out of uh, out of the landfill. Cool. <clears throat> um, next question is okay. So Goodwills uh, take do- you guys obviously have your regular business model, but then you take donations. So at the, at the till, Goodwills are asking if you'd like to donate to um, our job program, or I guess at yours, you're asking right. if you'd like to donate to our homeless shelters. Is that what you're asking people? Well, it, we'll ask for a multiple different things at different times. The, the charter school is very expensive to run. And that's that uh, uh, school that we have for young adults that have disabilities. So for a quarter we um, of the year, we might ask to round up for the charter school. Okay. Then another quarter it might be for the homeless shelter. So we pick and choose. And then 100% of that goes to that, that um, whatever we dog tag, uh, ear tag that for, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So that, that was the question. So, yeah. So that's not being added to a daily sales total. That's fully getting already siphoned off and used for the charity. In, in my goodwill. Yes. Um, it's, it's separate. It's actually a separate PL line, a separate line item on the PL, how much came in and that went to whatever we, we yeah. tagged that for. I don't and, I, and the and other good wells. Wouldn't, I don't wouldn't that be a federal law? If you're asking for a donation, it would have to go strictly to that. It, it does. When you specifically tell what it's going to go to, it has to, um, there are organizations and, and I, you know, I don't want to speak to anybody else, but if you say, will you donate to help our mission, then it's not ear tag to anything and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, so it's really how you, it's in the, it's in the wording and the communication. It, it, exactly. So we, we really do it as, as just that a donation for the charter school or okay. for the homeless shelter. So so good note for everybody out there. If if if, if the donation is open ended, then they can do what they want with it. If you're right. saying help us with the mission, but your guys is very specific. Yes. Um, okay. Cool. That's good to know. Uh, okay. True. I got to tell you. This, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. There's people in my organization that said, "Don't get on the call with them." <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> they were terrified that I was getting on the call and, and your 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 questions were gonna be, Kevin, you're the devil. <laughs> well, you know, we can all uh have our opinions and I think uh it's hard to not like you. You're a likable guy. It sounds like you have a good a good head on your shoulders and you understand <laughs> the world and you know, it sounds like you guys are doing good things obviously there's going to be things about this that people aren't are unhappy with and oh, people sure. are always unhappy with sure. with people at the top making tons of money um overpaying <laughs> and i'm not making ton of, tons of money drew i'm not yeah. making tons of this is this is one of our shirts that we sell in our stores okay nice, nice. um and you know i'm 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 again i'm i'm i have my opinions like i said there's certain things like about the system of what goodwill is that I don't agree with, but I also agree with the mission you guys have. So, you know, I think this is good. This will shed a lot of light for people in, sure. in, in the community here about what's happening and they can, they can formulate their own opinions and I'm asking Absolutely. The and, that, yeah. and that's what makes it great is, you know, I didn't come on here to make everybody love me. I just want, we don't do a good job of telling our story of what we do. And I think communication fixes a lot of the issues. 
because people sometimes are, are have the wrong information and they're making decisions based on the wrong information. Yeah. And I think that's true. You guys don't do a good job of telling people all the good you're doing. <laughs> no, I mean, everybody knows this from the thrift stores, but nobody says, Oh man, I love Goodwill. You know, they, they have a homeless shelter. No, no, nobody says that, you know, it, it's always, and they get everything for free and they're making a fortune off it. <laughs> what you always hear, you know? Yeah. So as a nonprofit, taxes were a big question. Nonprofits yeah. pay zero tax, right? Yeah. In some circumstances, again, you'd have to talk to the CFO. In some circumstances, you may have to pay taxes. Um, for example, on the internet sales, uh, it, it does. It doesn't matter if you're selling something on there. There's taxes that have to be paid. So the blue boxes you know? are paying taxes. Yeah, is that what right. you call them? The blue boxes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then obviously you're submitting everyone's taxes on the app, which is individual taxes based on. Because I guess the government um, classifies. Like if you go when you're at a thrift store and you're selling on a thrift level, um, it's sort of exempt from certain taxes. But once in Canada, this is Canada. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to charge one tax on any item, $100 or less, if it's secondhand, thrift. When it goes right. above that's, 100 they look at it like um, that's too valuable to be considered thrift now, and we want you to charge the two taxes. Right. So they, they differentiate that. And I, I guess when you're selling an individual item online, maybe they differentiate that from having a store full of thrift. Yeah, well, see, in, in the States, there's 50 states with all 50 different rules, Right. So like Pennsylvania, you don't pay tax on apparel because Pennsylvania believes that's a necessity. You need apparel. But there are certain pieces of apparel that you do because it's not a necessity. So the state decides what that is. So, um, for example, golf shoes, you would pay tax on, but regular shoes, you want it. Then they have a law that if you're selling it online, it doesn't matter whether it's clothing or not, you're paying a tax, you know? So we, we, we employ tax jar to manage our taxes because it's, it's on a marketplace. There's so many different States that have different laws and all. So they manage it for us and remit our taxes as, as needed, because you'd have to have a law degree to figure it out over the 50 States. So this is a, this is a separate, uh, app slash company that handles all the tax for you guys on the back. Yeah, so they're they're built into our marketplace, and they they capture the tax from each state that it's going to. It, it gets very complicated. It's called Nexus. Um, so one state you don't pay any taxes on internet sales to six hundred dollars. At six hundred dollars, you start paying seven percent. The next state you start paying at one dollar, and you pay three cents. I can't manage, I can't manage my household, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's taxes. tricky. Yeah. That's so tricky. we built, we built that into this marketplace and we pay a fee to that company to do that for us. Um, okay. <clears throat> so Goodwill reports. So the, I don't know, but these numbers, man, are, are, um, Something I read on the Wikipedia page. Goodwill had so this is something Wikipedia drew. <laughs> Whoa, come on, that's the source. It's crowd crowdsourced. You guys are putting out the information. So you gotta believe everything on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, but there was numbers in the 
billion. I mean, it was actually said some good things. It said, yeah. it said that it said that, you know, from the percentages you said, you were like saying that you're in the 15%, uh, maybe funding round. Yeah, so no, 15% no, of total gross is going to funding. Well, let me clarify that too. Now, different goodwills have different models. So some goodwills own all their buildings. Well, they're going to make more money than me leasing buildings. You, you know what I mean? So I, I can't speak for all goodwills, right? Because everybody's got a different situation. Here in Florida, we, we have all leased properties. We don't own any of our, our buildings. So every year the, the, the cost goes up, right? It's built into the lease. So I might not make as much proceeds as someone in Alabama who has 13 stores and own all 13 stores, right? So every, everybody makes a different amount of money. Um, so I, I, I really want to be clear on that. I don't want people saying, oh, they make 15% or they make 50%. Everybody's different. And I'm in a very, you know, I'm paying $35 a square foot for leasing here. I'm sure our Kansas Goodwill's probably paying eight, and I don't want to offend them if it's at 10. Um, but they're paying a different rate yeah, than I'm paying. We all here. understand so, how that works. So it makes it all the profitability is different. Totally. Because there was a staggering amount of billions of dollars that said that went into oh, yeah. oh. Uh, of went into funding. And it, you know, it was a staggering sales figure. I guess yeah, well, we have 3,000 stores across the country. If you add all the goodwills up, yeah, it's it's a large chain, you know. I mean, there there's it's it's a big organization when you add them all up. Three thousand stores, say even on an average of a million dollars per store, that's three billion it's, it's, dollars. It, it, well, no, it's like six billion. Um, six billion in, in sales in retail sales. Yeah, so don't quote me, but it's in that ballpark somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't even at a a ten percent. What is that? Sixty million. Uh, 600 million 600 million 600 yeah. million going to yeah. going to funding which is uh, impressive very impressive number which goes to show you the the growth of thrift and vintage in general and reselling you know so i guess like in those 5 years we never really got to like kind of a percentage year over year gross number like in the 5 years you've been doing this how much you you had said that you're you were spending more than you were making but like as far as gross sales for those 5 years do you have like kind of a yeah, and, I, and I'm sure my CFO is going to be upset with me, but in 2019, we did 28 million here, and we're going to do 40 million this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've expanded sales pretty yeah. significantly over, over, now I'm going to say it's because it's superior management. Right. But, but I, I think Great the economy, a lot. <laughs> I think uh, the economy is, is a much better situation for thrift today than it was three years ago, four years ago. So, yeah, yeah. So we, we see year over year sales increases, but we also have years where we, we see decreases. It's, it's, it's very runs very parallel with regular business. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, again, though, we, we talked about how thrift can thrive during a recession. So, right. You guys are in a unique situation. You guys have a hundred years of data, a hundred years of sales mm -hmm. data to to work off of, which is unheard of, except right. if you're Levi's or something. So right. when you, when you when you you can like literally put Goodwills on a timeline 
of like the S and P 500 and compare it, how it's been growing. So yeah. do you, do you see decreases when, when the economy booms? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and part of the problem is um, it, it's all related to donations. You know, if, if, if you're getting a great stream of donations, you have the inventory to make sales. If you don't have those donations, you don't make sales. If you're shorthanded in the store, remember I told you a big part of our operation is processing those donations. If you're shorthanded in the stores, which is the, the challenge right now, you don't have enough people to process it to fill the shelves. So then your yeah. sales go down. You know, again, just like any other business, if you don't have the goods, you don't, you can't drive your sales. So a lot of it fluctuates on how people donate, right? So when, well, what do you see the, the, there's seasons for it, right? Like springtime, people love to do clear out their home. and you get Absolutely. Right. And then you get a tax break when you make donations. So New Year's Eve is typically crazy because everybody's like, I got to make that donation. So I get the so tax So how does that off. work? You, you can supply a tax receipt for a donation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In store, but, but you also have collection bins where no one's getting a receipt. I, I don't have collection bins. Oh, so your collections are all through the physical stores? My, in my location, yes. Um, and, and then we have just donation. We call them attended donation centers, like little stores in a strip mall where you, you just, just drop clothes. off. Yeah, okay. we, don't, we, we don't sell anything in there. We yeah. just take the donation. Do you always provide a receipt or only upon request? Um, my people are always supposed to do it. I know sometimes we don't do a great job with that, but they're supposed to do it because I, I want to count the amount of donations we got. So we have electronic, they push a tab. That means there was a donation and, and the person gets the receipt. Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. And I obviously then what's the number? What's like the yearly take of donation per, by pound? Do you know I, we don't do it by pound. What we do it is if you drop off one hat or you drop off a whole pickup truck worth of stuff, we counted it as one donation. So we, I can tell you that we do about 800,000 donations a year and they generate about $50 per donation for me. That's so strange. So when, when you give someone a tax receipt, what does it say? One well, donation? The, the, the United States government says they can write in whatever they donated. So, so they, if I can give you one donation and say it was worth a thousand dollars. Yes. Now you you only can write off I think two hundred and fifty dollars. So you oh, can so everyone just wants that max out their two fifty and that. Yeah. So okay. we don't determine what your donation was worth. We just give them the form from the IRS, and they they do their whatever they want to do with it. Interesting. Um, okay. I want to talk about this is kind of the last topic here. Um, training in the stores. So, you know, obviously you're training now to identify what is worth more money that comes down to vintage brands. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't focus on vintage, um, in, in our stores, we focus more on, um, and I'll, I'll be transparent with you. If, if, if we think we can get over $50 for an item, we, we try and put it online. Okay. And, and, and again, we don't, we, we, we don't strip out the stores cause we there, you walk into any one of my stores today and you'll see stuff at 200, $400 based on what it is. We, 
we try and be good stewards and get, you know, a better price for something that we see. So we, the, our training essentially is if, if, if there's a category that's $7, say $6, a, a, a pair of pants that are $6, but you see something that you know is, is worth $100, a, a lucky brand jeans or whatever it may be that you think's worth more. We, we ask them to send it to, uh, to our e-commerce department. Does it happen all the time? No. You know, like I said, I sell a million uh, items a month yeah. and we, we only list 2,000. I would imagine, you know, staff turnover is quite high. You're dealing with Huge. people coming on all the time and people leaving all the time. This is an entry-level job and that's fine. That's Huge. how it kind of yeah. normally is, but it's it's hard to deal with something like that and keep training at a level, right? So yeah. your management at these stores must harbor after a period of time like quite a lot of information and sure. is it you're trying to are you trying to hire people with previous information or no, sorry information is the wrong word but previous knowledge, knowledge of fashion or are you are you hiring someone who's a good manager and trying to train them into that position well we we do both you know uh, i mean you know when i was at the exporting goods if somebody came to me and said i was a manager of walmart I'd say, okay, you know how to manage. You know, I'm going to take it. Somebody came and said, I'm really passionate about golf. I know everything there is to know about golf, and I'm a scratch handicap. Yeah, we'd probably hire him and teach him to be a manager or a coach. Um, so, yeah, if we if we have somebody that comes to us and says, hey, I worked five years at Salvation Army, then, you know, obviously they move up a little bit because they know more about the, the industry. And this is such a unique industry. When When – um, my CEO hired me. He said, Kevin, you, you know, you've got a pedigree, you know, you ran major league baseball, all-star games. I need you to forget everything you know about retail and come in here and work. And he made me work as a donor door person, a uh, cashier, a salesperson, an assistant manager, a store manager. Um, you, you know, I, I had just come from running an all-star game and, you know, I'm, I'm working in the back processing new shoes. Right. But he insisted on doing that because it's such a unique business and I'm so glad he did. I know it better that way. So yeah, we just like in any business, anyone that has previous experience, we're going to take that, you know, as a a premium. But if somebody walks in here and just has a great uh, view on life and is a great person, we're going to hire that person too. Yeah. Now, if somebody comes in and they have the knowledge and they say have the knowledge to make you more money, the knowledge to be able to identify those items previously, is that is that paid in a premium for you? Is that more valuable to you than the other person? Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a firm believer your compensation is based on the complexity of problems you can solve. That, you know, that's how business is, you know. If if I'm a vice president because I can solve problems pretty well. Um, when I was a store manager, I could solve problems at a store manager level, right? So if you have somebody that comes in that knows vintage inside and out, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna pay them based on on what they're bringing to the table. Um, and do you have and, people like that right now in employment? Not really. Uh, I, I know there's this the whole underground thing that we're training people to pick vintage and, and do all that. 
really, we're training people to manage our buildings. Our turnover is, is horrendous. Retail in general is horrendous. And then goodwill, a lot of times, is just a, a, a wage patch. You know, they lost their jobs, so they came to goodwill till they find their, their other career. And we're fine with that. But that makes the turnover really high, right? So it's difficult for me to teach somebody to be a vintage picker when they're an accountant and they're just looking for, you know, another job. So we really, uh, like I said, we really say, hey, if you think something's worth more than $50, we, we should probably pull it and, and try and get more money for it. So, you know, we sell shoes in the stores at $7.99. But if a pair of Air Jordans come in and somebody recognizes that, yeah, we're, we're going to try and get more than $7.99 for that. Um, someone that's very good at that, a store manager that's very good at that, store sales are probably much higher, so they're going to get paid much more. So explain that. So is our store managers put on a bonus structure based on sales volume? In, in my goodwill, yes. Not not on sales volume, but on, on net proceeds, how, how well they're running the store. Um, so in our goodwill, we do bonus um, our store managers and assistant managers. So to understand that net proceeds means after expenses, what this store is actually generating. So you look at a P&L for each store every month and then they get bonused on the net. Exactly. If, if they beat their net profit um, margin. So that, that's so it's it. not, so it's not, so it's not a gross number thing. It's literally the percentage of margin between yeah, the gross so, and the net. So if they're going to, if they're budgeted to, make $20,000 for the month, right? And they make $22,000. We, our store managers are bonused at 4% of what's over, what they're, they're over. So they would be, they get 4% of $2,000. The assistant managers, 2%. So the better they do, the better, the, the better their store does, the better they do in, in a salary wise. So and you're budgeting, you're budgeting those goals off of previous month and, and, and years of data that you've accumulated. Right. And, and the demographic, you know, if, if a new highway went in or there's new development by them, we're looking at that, you know, budgeting their, their sales and, and their uh, net profits based on what's going on in their community. And it's a, it's, it's a good way to pay them more. Yeah. And, and it's a good way for them to take ownership of the building. Yeah, for sure. Now, not all Goodwills do that, but we, we do that here. Yeah. Well, that's just good business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm okay, excited well, to pass out the bonus checks. I mean, that's, that's a great, that's a great day for me. I mean, that means they did a great job. We have, we're able to put more money into the mission and I'm giving them a bonus check, man. It doesn't get much better than that, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Um, Kevin, is there anything else you want to uh, talk about with the people? You know, we're kind of coming to an end. It's a long one. We're like two hours. I know, man. This is this has been great. I just want people to try out Worn Not Wasted. Um, I, you know, I hope they understand we built this to support resellers. I know there's this big backlash. I'm not trying to compete with them. Um, honestly, I had to prime the pump to get this thing going. Uh, I'm probably always going to have my stores have something on there, but it was really for resellers. So, you know, go to Warn Not Wasted. It's it's brand new. Um, they, they might find a glitch that we weren't aware of, you know, and 
and let us know and and form your own opinion. If you go, I, I know I'm not going to please everybody. So if you go to the site, you don't like it. I get that. If you like it, tell your friend about it. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to help resellers with this. You know, so many of the people that bought Blue Box Office just complained about the high commissions and not being being treated like a commodity, like like reselling wasn't a, a, a profession. So we, we we respect that. We we want we understand it's a profession, and we're just trying to lower the commission costs so you guys can, you know, put more money in your pocket. So, you know, go to warnnotwasted.com and and see for yourself. Have any of the other uh, platforms reached out to you about War Not Wasted yet? Like uh, no, Depop or Etsy? Oh, nobody, or nobody yet has, has reached out. Um, on my LinkedIn profile, I'm getting a tremendous amount of views. Um, you know, so people are interested, but nobody's reached out to me. You know? How are they finding you? Are you listed as like, are you listed on the app as the owner or as CEO? No, no. I, I did a couple LinkedIn posts that we launched this thing and I have a pretty big following on LinkedIn. I see. So I, I think see, it okay. just kind of spread out. And now Drew, you're, you're spreading the word too. So this is all yeah. good. So. Okay. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on the show and shedding some light on all that for us. And uh, you know, best of luck to you and all your projects. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much, Drew. And uh, if you ever need anything, you know, please reach out to us. I'll look you up when I come to Florida. All right. Sounds great. I'll treat you right.